Hi, welcome to 1001 Books, the podcast where we read the 1001 books the experts say you're supposed to read before you die and decide if they are really worth your time. I'm Chelsea, a lover of Harry Potter and any fantasy book with a strong female lead. And I'm Nicole, also a lover of Harry Potter and of any book with even a little bit of time travel in it. Welcome to the episode, Chelsea. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How about you? Good. What book are we on this week? 42. Book number 42. We're ah, almost to 50. The answer to the life, the universe, and everything. Oh, Maybe, that was maybe good. it's this book. We could read that book. That book's easy and fast. <laughs> it is. I don't know if it's on the list of books just to read for your die, but it's really fun. Um, what else have you been reading lately besides for the podcast? Um, I recently read Turtles All the Way Down, which is oh. a John Green book, and you read it. Mm-hmm. You blend- borrowed it from me, right? Or I did think you so. Copy? Yeah. yeah. Um, about a year ago, and I tried to read it uh, about a year ago, but it is a story about a girl who really struggles with um, anxiety and OCD and just some mental health issues, and it was too triggering a year ago, and I just listened to it on audiobook um, in while I was driving to and from work, and while it was still very triggering... I um, really enjoyed it. I thought that it was a really good portrayal of anxiety. Um, and I thought that it was interesting because John, it's an own voices novel because John Green suffers from OCD and anxiety. Um, and so it was an interesting um, portrayal of that. And it was interesting uh, to hear someone writing about a fictionalized version of their struggles. And I really, I like the main character and I like the way that anxiety was described as like, how how really irrational it really is and how you know it's irrational while you're in the middle of it but that doesn't stop your brain from doing it because in the novel the main character she has a lot of uh, fear of like injuries and germs um and I kind of do that too I'm kind of a hypochondriac it's fine it's fine um but like she'll like obsessed and she'll be like oh I need to google this and then she'll google the symptoms and then she'll think about the symptoms and she'll be like oh in this one case this person who got this presented with this and then you keep reading and you spiral into the google and then your brain anytime you feel a twinge in your body is like oh my god I have this no I better google it it's not true and then you redo this google spiral and like the whole time the character knows that it's irrational and that it's crazy but it's totally how my anxiety works and so it was really interesting to read um another character's anxiety that was very very similar to mine uh it also made me feel a little bit crazy (laughs) that's okay it's okay we're all crazy in our own ways because I was like oh my god she sees a therapist every week for her anxiety and I just don't currently (laughs) maybe I should uh, check that one in place because Wow, mine's almost as bad as hers. Uh, <laughs> two, yeah, re- not less than two weeks ago, your fiance said to you, "I think you shouldn't be allowed to Google things." Uh, he said, "This is a sentence I will never say." I really like that Chelsea has Google. Ah, yes. Also, you told me that in that book, the character has like a tick where she presses on a cut and kind of always keeps a cut in her finger and presses on it. And you said, "I had to consciously decide not to do that because that does sound like a satisfying feeling." I again so, you yeah. know it's your crazy <laughs> but you uh it was really interesting to read and it was nice it also felt nice to read a character who because unless you're living in it unless you have really bad anxiety no matter how many times you explain it to someone yeah. they're not going to understand case in point I talked to a coworker um earlier in the week about 
a child in my class who I think has anxiety. And she was saying, well, everybody has anxiety. And I was like, no, no, no. Yes, not but like no, this, this yeah. isn't the sentence I'm saying. It's not a everybody has anxiety. There's a different kind of this really irrational like anxiety disorder. Anxiety is um is it's nice di- is different, different than your average life. I mean, yeah, about something. Yeah. And so it was interesting to read another character and be like, oh, I'm crazy, but like there's other people who have my crazy, so that's okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's good. I liked it. The plot of the novel was dumb, but I like the representation of the anxiety. Yeah, most of his books, the plot is kind of dumb. Yeah, and, and they're almost all identical to each other. Yeah, no, but the, <laughs> but the writing itself is good. Yeah, yeah, and this one had a really cool. Um, one of the complaints about John Green. I'm about to spoil it, so if you don't want to hear this, don't listen for thirty seconds. One of the complaints about John Green is that he writes really adult sounding language from teenagers. And some people really like that. Some people don't really don't like that. And the twist at the end of this novel is that she's writing about it as an adult. Right. So which was a really cool, like she, cause then she's like, if I would have known, I could have done this and this and you know, like, and so that was a really cool twist that I felt like for me, it does kind of annoy me. John Green's writing like that. And then it was like, Oh, well that was part of the point. Yeah. So, yeah. So like you kind of bought into that criticism a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) Um, the most recent book I've read is called The Clockmaker's Daughter by Kate Morton, who is an author that I like, and I've read several of her books. It's, she's kind of just like, she's not like dime store chick lit at all, but she's like, they're light. They're all uh-huh. kind of like historical fiction with a dual narrator and like a mystery that comes together in like different settings. Yeah. They're just like candy, you know? And so this one um, I liked because one of the narrators, there was like, was a ghost interesting uh, and there's kind of like a historical mystery related to this house and like people that started this when the ghost died in like the 1860s and then all these other people who came to stay at the house in in each section of the book who serves as the other narrator it's always the ghost and then it's like kind of all wraps together and they're all kind of tied to this house um but it was good it definitely um had the feeling of a time travel book. Uh, it wasn't my favorite <laughs> one by her, but it was it was pl- possibly pleasant. It definitely nice. enough that I needed to see what happened, you know. <laughs> Which I made me realize that I, um, someone was telling me not long ago that they really like to read cozy mysteries, and I and I didn't know what that was, and so I googled it. But it's like a mysteries basically that have no violence. Or yeah. some things to them. And then I was in my head, I was like, I was like, that's like, what a silly thing for that to be the only thing that you read. But then reading this, I was like, this could be classified as a cozy mystery. And I like it. So maybe I shouldn't be so judgy. Yeah. And I don't read like mysteries that are gruesome at all. <laughs> but it's just something about that being the only kind of book that you like. You were I was, totally I was like, I was, like, I was very oh. like, well, I read classics, you know, like in my, in my head. Cause sometimes I'm not very nice. <laughs> Sometimes in none my, of us are inside nice. my head. Um, let's get into book forty-two. We read *Cat's Cradle* by Kurt Vonnegut, which was published originally in nineteen sixty-three, and he is an American. Mm-hmm. American. I was like, "Is he British?" He's an American. He's an American. If Chelsea, if you had to describe this book in one word, what would it be? Ice nine. Okay, very specific. We'll get into the plot. I'm on the nose. It really annoyed Nicole as per usual. (laughs) This doesn't make any sense if you haven't read it. Uh, My word is Cold War. Got it. Literally. And you want to tell us a little bit about the plot, Chelsea? Yeah. So while researching a book about the atomic bomb, the narrator meets a cast of odd characters and discovers a new religion, Bokanon, and witnesses the end of the world. So as you can tell from that description, this book is wild and crazy. Yeah. Um, we're going to get into spoilers now. So if you don't want to hear those, um, check the show notes for the time to listen back in. 
Yeah. So um, essentially in this novel, the character, the main character, his name isn't mentioned very often because he's just kind of narrating it. Um, Though it does in the very first page, he says, call me Jonah or call me John. That's what my parents called me. But it's a very... Um, Moby, Moby Dick. It's a Moby yeah. Dick reference. Call me Ishmael. There yeah. are actually a lot of references in this Which, book. Call me Ishmael, the person who fought the white whale. Call me Jonah, the person who was swallowed by a whale. It's yeah. like a whole thing. Yeah. So he, um, there are a lot of references in this book. This is a very smart book. It's they very literary. Yeah. He references Mal later on too. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, so <laughs> in this novel, um, this author, he's going and he's researching the atomic bomb and he's doing a research where he really wants to hear about the people who made the atomic bomb and what they were doing on the day the bomb was dropped. Yeah. And through this, he, um, the maker in the novel has passed on, but he meets the maker's three children and he ends up on an island with them where he discovers that the maker's three children have the maker's last invention and it's this ice nine substance which will freeze all water like if it touches any water on the earth it'll just spread and everything that's water will be frozen in yeah. a different substance it freezes water. anything that it touches to something that can't be melted until it's 141 disease degrees not diseases um and so throughout the novel he's meeting this cast of characters on this island and this cast of characters on this island is all followers of this faith bokanism bokanism and um who they're led by this man Bokanon and he um is like his religion is based off of all religion being a lie um and he intentionally made he was him and his friend were like took over this island yeah. and they basically created the religion so that like one of them could be the good religion leader who was like in the bush and one of them could be the bad dictator and so that the people would like have like create like story create a story for the people to root for yeah uh, and so he made up the entire religion basically like thumbing his nose at existing organized religion but then so then the book is like sprinkled with quotes from his like yeah, scripture for his, his scripture. religion and then what happens is the leader who's like the bad guy on the island mm -hmm. dies and um while they're deciding on the new leader of the island he has a crystal, this ice nine that one of the children gave him. He falls into the ocean. And the end of the world happens. Almost everybody dies. Turns ice. <laughs> um, the main character survives by going down into a bunker that they randomly found. And then um, possibly dies at the end, too. I mean, well, clearly dies, but the meaning of his death is unclear, which we can talk about in yes. a minute. So, so his book is bananas. Yeah. <laughs> and it's bananas. Like, there was no less complex way to explain this book. No. No, and and it was it was easy to read. It had really short chapters, like 120 chapters in like so nice. 250 pages. Um, so I read really easily, and it was funny. I thought yeah, it was really I thought funny. it was funny. Um, but definitely when I finished it, I like sat down and I was like, okay, what are we going to talk about in the podcast? Because I know that there's like themes in here, but you kind of just read it, and it feels like a crazy roller coaster ride through like a clown tunnel and then yeah. it's over <laughs> yeah um it reminded me of the experience of we saw a play last year oh. called ride the cyclone um which was like you walked in and you thought you did not know what to expect and then all of a sudden you've watched the whole thing and you're like what the fuck was that that was such a good play so the premise of the play was that all you read in the description was that you know like nine teenagers are in a um 
roller coaster accident on the cyclone and die and you're like oh it's gonna be a sad play but then it's like actually them kind of being caught between life and afterlife and like a spirit tells them that one of them gets to live and they're all trying to justify why it should be them through musical dancing numbers including like i'm one where they like they're dressed up as like cats and it's and it was so funny because we could see we were sitting kind of on the side. So we're just like, this is amazing. How is this so good? It's so weird. And then all the audience was elderly people. And they just looked so grumpy the whole time. And we were just cracking up. <laughs> they were so weirded out. It was so out. weird. It was so millennially. I would say millennial. I would say. So, but this, this, this novel. This did feel like that play. Felt like that play. Like you like walk in expecting one thing. And then you like tumble out the other side. And you're like, what the hell was yeah. that? Also, it also made me think of like the trippy acid tunnel and Willy Wonka and the chocolate yeah. factory. <laughs> That's the experience. No, this book. I yeah. didn't dislike this book. I think it was interesting. It was so such a fast read that like if somebody wanted a weird ass book, I'd be like, read this book. Like I, it's not like yeah. it's a book I would never recommend anyone. Um, I do think though, getting at deeper things in it, um, I, I can find some deeper things. Me too. Me but, too. um, <laughs> You had to be looking for them to want to find them rather than just reading a dystopian novel to read a dystopian novel. Yeah. Um, And so, or a beginning of a dystopian because turning the world to dystopia. So um, one thing that was really interesting that I actually really, really enjoyed about this book was um, the meaning of the cat's cradle, why it's called that. So one of the characters, one of the sons of the inventor of the atomic bomb I'm just not going to try and name the characters in this book. There's too many random people uh, in 280 pages, which is what's so short, but there's a lot of random character yeah. interactions. Um, So one of the characters has this line where he'll consistently like five or six times in the novel. He goes, where's the cat? Where's the cradle? Because he says that cat's cradle is such a misnomer of a name for a game. It's just string because it's just string. There's no cat. There's no cradle. Like what? why and so whenever something nonsensical happens he'll say where's the cat where's the cradle and that's what on the day the atomic bomb was dropped his dad played cat's cradle with him yeah so it's like literally on a day where life the meaning of life is changing because of what humanity has done that's what we're doing yeah we're playing cat's cradle yeah so it was an interesting mm-hmm. i really like that i like that that's the meaning behind the title yeah, i think it's a good title i think i am gonna think of that and remember that line like where's the cat where's the, where's the cradle yeah. like after this book um so yeah. i really did just as a side note before you even get into plot i really liked that yeah along those lines um so throughout the book you know that the narrator has converted to bokenism mm-hmm. um but he has like it for most of the plot he hasn't yet you know he doesn't know what it is and mm-hmm. then the by the end he's converted but he's since this book is like he's reflecting he talks about it in terms of this religion and so there's like a, a lot of like defined terms um, based yeah. on this religion and the thing is is that if you just i felt like if you just took the like the little brief like verses it makes sense yeah it's like a very well thought out religion for a fantasy world better than probably i've ever seen before and like often like often i read them i'd be like yeah like that's wise and i think my favorite thing was is he talks about his cross which is the bokenist uh-huh. word for like the idea that there's a group of people that you are tied to like at the soul level and that you're on earth as a group to do something for God uh-huh. and, and, and you won't really find out hundred percent what it is until you're dead, but you're all tied together. And so he'll meet someone and be like, Oh yes, a member of my cross. And we're finding out what our purpose is. And there was like another word for purpose. Uh, and I was just like, I like that idea. I like yeah. the idea that like we have the connections in life that we do for a purpose. 
Yeah, no. I mean, I thought that the religion was really interestingly well-developed. Um, yeah. It took a twist at the end. Oh, yeah. I mean, but then we don't know how any religion would react to the end of the world. True, none yeah. Of the, none of the, none, no religion that I know about, like, they all have the way they think the world's going to end, Yeah. Maybe, but not, like, when the thing that happens isn't what you predicted, what does your religion do? I don't know, I don't know. yeah. So what happens at the end of this book is when he comes out of the bunker, the woman he was in the bunker with, his wife or wife-to-be or some sort of odd relation, um, they go up, they climb up this mountain together and they find out that everyone on the island has committed suicide. Anyone who survived the initial apocalypse of the Ice Nine has like all gone to this place and committed suicide together because like what's the point basically? And so then um, his wife commits suicides and on and on his he finds some survivors that he's living with and stuff and then like a month later six months later he runs into the creator of the, the religion, religion and he sees the creator on the side of the road and it's the only other human he's seen between the besides the four people he's living with um and he talks about the creator um gives him a note that says here's the ending to my religion And the ending note basically says, if I was young enough to do this, I would write down everything that had happened here. I would go up to the top of the mountain and I would essentially kill myself. And so what you've just read is the author writing about everything that happened there. So then it's unclear. Does he go up to the mountain and kill himself? And this is what's left. Yeah. Like, did he write that and then just kill himself? And he had had a weird compulsion to climb that mountain ever since he got to the island. So probably yes. But then... In the face of the world ending and there being no chance of it getting better, it's is that it's I don't feel like it's as irrational of an act as it is normally to commit suicide in that situation. But then was there is there really no chance of it getting better? Because couldn't you the thought theoretically thaw a whole section of the world with mm-hmm. fire? That was my that was my one complaint about this book. But then like, would it just refreeze again if it got touched ice nine again? I don't know, but would you like draw like dig a tunnel thing around it? Like is there a way? Maybe, but probably not with four people. I know. I went real. I was like, this is not well thought out. Maybe they did do that like in America or in China or somewhere where there was more people together, but not on a little island. And they couldn't get to the people on the island. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was interesting. Yeah. So that is a flaw. That's not that isn't thought out. And I the also the Boken is saying before you're going to commit suicide is that you say out loud. Now I will destroy the world, Uh which the um, the leader who takes the ice nine to kill himself. And then that leads to everything happening says that. And it's very literal. He does destroy the whole world, yeah. whether he knew he was doing it or not. But then it's like also under that, the idea that really all the world is the world is, is what we think about it. And so when you kill yourself, you're killing the whole world. Every yeah. time, every person who kills himself. That was yeah. an interesting point too. Which, yeah. yeah. I like that. I, I so like it's very clever. Novel. It's clever. It's clever. It's it's really smart. There's a lot of references to things hidden in there. And um, there's a lot of talk about like, the dictators of the world like he's he's wrestling with some of the stuff from the holocaust like not the holocaust from the atomic bomb and stuff and so there's references to the dictators on the island they talk a lot about the dictators they have a former nazi who's a doctor there who's paying his penance quote unquote for being the doctor at auschwitz yeah. yeah and so it's it's very uh well it's a well thought out novel. Yeah. I really think the reason I chose Cold War as my one word description is because so this book came out in 1963 and the Cuban Missile Crisis was in 1962, which was a time that world powers on a tiny Caribbean island uh-huh. and the world, can't you know, came to fight each other and the world almost ended. Right. Yeah. And so I really think that this book is about the Cuban Missile Crisis. Allegory about it. Um, 
because other books that I've read that are set um, in that time, I read one book by Ken Follett, 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 yeah. who like he, he like in that, what is that series called? There's like three books. One's about World War One, one's about World War Two, uh, one's about the 60s. Oh gosh. But there's like a family in Russia. There's a family in England. Yeah. There's a family in America. There's, and they're following them through all these generations. It's going to uh, bug me until I think of it. But you, Pillars of the Earth. No, no that's the one uh, about the cathedral. Something with giants. The first one. Fall of Giants. Yeah. So in the one the one of those, when they got to the Cuban Missile Crisis, which must be the thir- third one, which is in the 60s, they like talk about, you know, this is what the characters you know in Russia are doing. These are the ones in America. They're doing these ones. And how like people really did think they were about to die. Mm-hmm. And so all the characters in the book like make crazy decisions because they're pretty sure this is the yeah. end of the world. And, um, you know, cheat on their spouses, like all sorts of stuff. And... Uh, and it's, I feel like it's hard since we weren't alive then to realize how real that was. And that I feel like probably the earth has been that close to being on the brink of being destroyed other times, but this was like on the news, yeah. you know, and that's very traumatizing. And so I think processing Vonnegut that trauma. wrote this book for him to process it and to give other people a way to process it. And I think if you were alive then that's, it would immediately yeah. feel like it was about the Cuban missile crisis. Um, which there's a really great movie about that called 13 hours or something. And it's like about the white house during that time. And it's most of the um, dialogue is actual transcripts from the Oval office and stuff. Uh-huh. And I watched it in a college class and it was so good. And yeah. So I think that this, this book is in, is generally about pacifism. Yeah. Oh, and you're not wrong. A lot of people agree with you that it's about the Cuban Missile Crisis. I just Googled it. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, so I think in that, I think, I think it's very much a Cold War book. It's a Cold War book. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly, I liked this book. I mean, I definitely am liking it more. I liked when we read it. It was like, oh, it's fine. But and talking about it, like the meat is good and i think it i might like it might stick with me i might think mm-hmm. about it particularly the religious stuff uh, and it's weird because like i i'm a religious consider myself like a religious person and even though this religion is kind of making fun of other religions i still find it like really interesting and good yeah. it doesn't offend me or anything like it feels like no good it's good to be challenged you know and it's like the purpose that bokanism is serving in the book is the purpose that re- all religions yeah. serve so it's, it's like, giving meaning to the people on the island, yeah, which and is like, the purpose, and like yeah. almost anything can give you meaning if you just believe in it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? No, I, um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. There was, I mean, like any book from just as a caveat, like any book from pre now <laughs> there, there was some kind of racist things in it. There was some kind of sexist yeah. things. Um, yeah, oh, it's weird. Like the descriptions of the natives on this island are really bad um yeah. really bad you and, know what it's and of like the one woman character is basically just like uh, people are obsessed with her i also too there was a there's a character who has dwarfism yeah. in the novel and is just constantly called the like midget like it's, yeah. it's but like that's his only name like people would just like call him that like which is yeah. so and like it's but but as a character, he has like a personality. True, which he is talks good about for the things 60s. besides his disability, and he has a role in the world, and so it's medium, I would say. Yeah, yeah. I um, it, something I noticed in this book that I like finally connected the dots of that I think is a weird thing a lot of novels do, um, is that if it's a book where 
if somebody who's white going to an island nation or going anywhere that has like native people, um, they always make a comment about how the native people um, in the on the island nation look young until they're 25 and then they look ancient. Like more than one of our books has had that as yeah. a weird um, like racist thing that it says. Like that's how they describe um, yeah. native people. And I thought that that was really interesting. And I've never noticed that that was a because I don't read enough of books like that. I never noticed before this podcast that that's like a commonly used like oddly racist descriptor yeah yeah it is it is weirdly racist and it like um like in the outlander series there's a point when uh the main lady goes back in time for the second time Uh and she like she's there and she introduces herself to someone a woman and she's like 40 and she introduces herself to a woman who looks her age and that woman's 29 yeah. But she's had like 10 pregnancies and stuff. So she's it looks more age. And so it's just like, yeah, if you're it, like how fast you age depends on your lifestyle. Yeah. It doesn't have anything to do with your race. You know? Yeah, no, it's really yeah. interesting. So I was just like, I read that and I was like, huh, that's been in other books we've read. Yeah, it's yeah. It feels like a thing that some a white person would say and be like, that's not racist. But it is. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Um, there's some assumptions in there. Overall, though, in terms of like the books we've read. I felt like those kind of things that were happening in the book were lower on the totem pole than some of the other books we've read. And um, they didn't deflect from the point of the book. Yeah. So I don't think that they necessarily took away from the value. I just, whenever we like are like, we, we like this book. I'm like, I want to put in the caveat that it's still racist (laughs) and it's still sexist. Yeah. (laughs) Because most of them are. In one way or another, yeah. Still ableist, like, I... Yeah. <laughs> it's not as ableist as, like, the life and times of Michael Kay. True fact. But there is a saying in Bokanism that, like, the, like, you know, the most powerful words will come from, like, the voice of of a person with a disability uh-huh. or the idiot, yeah. which that's pretty ableist. That's And that's that same thing as in the life of Michael Kay, where, like, people with disabilities are wise and mysterious. Yeah. And I'm just like, they're just people. We just, like, treat them like Living you their lives. normal people, give them the same respect and rights that everybody else gets. <laughs> like, yeah. So, um, who would we recommend this book to? Um... I think if you are someone who likes like kind of darker comedy kind of books, this would be in satire. This would be good for you. Um, I think if you are someone who likes dystopian, this isn't a bad like no. world turning into dystopian worlds. Like it's not actually the dystopian world. It's kind of the transition, but like, I think it's a good one. Um, yeah. I think that satire, dark comedy. Yeah. Okay, so we have to decide if we think this is a book that everyone should read before they die. And I'm definitely stuck on, do I think this book is going to stick with me? Because I'm not sure if it's going to, and I think it needs to if it's on the list. See, I feel like I always err on the side of caution, knowing I could take it off later. (laughs) But you could also put it on later. I know, but I don't think I'm as likely to do that. Mm. Do we think this is a book that everyone should read before they die? One, two, three. Sure. Oh, split decision. I just don't think it's going to stick with me, but I'm willing to. Where's the cat? Where's the cradle? There's the cat next to us. Just right next to us. Yeah. On the floor. Nosing me right now. Scratching my legs during the podcast. (laughs) Like always when I screech. I literally watched it just like that just happened like a minute ago, listeners. And I watched Pig walk up (laughs) to her, slow motion, put her claws on her knee. (laughs) Just 
dig into my knee. Uh, and what's great is that I'm allergic. And so when cats scratch me, I, it gets itchy. Yeah. So great. Um, all right. So split decision. Um, for our extra segment today, we thought we would talk about our favorite dystopian novels um, and our favorite dystopian worlds. And so I think I put one on the list and you put two. So why don't you go first and then okay. we'll flip flop. So um, I talk about this book on the podcast all the time because it's my favorite book. But um, for a, a, not a classic dystopia, my favorite is The Age of Miracles by Karen I Thomas like Walker. I like too. I would agree. Uh, which is... Um, it's about it's kind of a metaphor for climate change. It's about a world where the world starts spinning slower on its axis, and all the changes that happen. Um, but it's also kind of about climate change and how like the disaster that we are thinking is going to happen isn't the one that always happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really good, and everyone should read it. I've already pitched it as a book. I think everyone should read before. And they I die. read it, and I really liked it. Yeah. So um, yes, and I just did. I I don't know if I talked about the podcast, but I just, she finally published a second book that I read. Called, was it good? I haven't read it the yet. The Dreamers, and it was really good. I didn't love it as much as <laughs> cats make a noise. Uh, I didn't love it as much as The Age of Miracles, but mm-hmm. it was really good. It was kind of about an epidemic in a tiny town where the disease was people would fall asleep for weeks at a time, Ooh. and it, and it had the it had a very similar tone. Triggering for me or not triggering for me? It wasn't triggering for me, and I'm just as bad at you. When okay, because <laughs> it, it felt very. Um, ethereal and not like yeah i didn't like i read the stand by stephen king which is about an epidemic that kills almost everyone and that way way did way worse this is more it's kind of a fairy tale like it makes you go to sleep you know okay um but i'd recommend that one too What, what about you um i said fahrenheit 451 as kind of an adult or like transitional adult genre book um for uh dystopian i it's been a while since I really loved this, read this book, but I really love Roy Bradbury. I've read a couple of his short stories as well. Um, and I just really enjoy, enjoyed his writing. I like um, that world and how it's about literature and the power of literature and what happens when you take that power away. Um, so, yeah, I love that book. I like Ray Bradbury's writing, too, which really helps. He has – have you ever read any of his short stories? No, just – Oh, my God. There's this – powerful set of short stories. I can't remember the name of the book that I read in high school that had like four short stories in it that were so good. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I chose that one as my adult one and I think I have actually thought of a second one for like a young adult one. So you can okay. go next. Um, if I, yeah, if I was going to pick one more from the classic dystopian genre, I'd pick brave new world by Aldous oh, I Huxley, like that one too. which is by far my favorite out of those really classic mm-hmm. ones. Uh, and I read this for the first time in high school and I would say, I think it's a thousand times better than 1984. Me too. I like it. Um, I, Cause I, I think it has better world building. I just really, I really orgy, like it. Orgy, something, something. That's the, the orgy porgy is the, the drug in it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Orgy yeah. Porgy. I just, I, yeah, I just really like it. I have vivid memories of you doing a class report at it where you, you guys were like pretending to be the different casts, alphas, betas, deltas, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> vivid memories of that. But yeah, I think it has, it's just out of all the dystopian books has the best world building. What's your second one? Um, I, as a dystopian, like young adult series, I think that the, um, well, Hunger Games is really good, but uh, that one's obvious, so I'm not going to say that one. I think a lesser known one that's really good is Delirium by Lauren oh, Oliver. Oh, those are really good. Weak ending, but really good yeah. series, Sam. Yeah, well, it's because they thought they were going to get a TV series. 
Which, so, so stupid dumb. to yeah. write like that. Ugh. Yeah, but so the first two are really, really good. And it's a dystopian world where when you turn 16, there's an operation that removes your ability to love. Um, so, which essentially means it removes all strong emotions because mm-hmm. most strong emotions are pinned on, like, our feelings of love or hate. Um, and so it's based around this girl who is about to turn 16 and have that surgery. And the disease of love is called delirium. Um, and it's really, really good. The first two books are nicely done. It does have a weak ending in book three. It's very open ended ending. So if that annoys you, I wouldn't read it. Um, (laughs) but I thought that they were really nicely written and really, um, a really good developed dystopian world for being a YA book. So nice. Yeah. Okay. So that about wraps up our episode. Should we draw the book for next time? Yes, let's do it. Okay, our next book is called Death and the Dervish, which is a great title. It's going to be a dance with the Grim Ripper. (laughs) I was like, dance with the devil. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I hope that it's like... hmm, I hope that it's like a letters back and... written in the form of letters back and forth between death and the devil. (laughs) Oh! Oh, sort of a sort of uh, screw tape letters esque meets British. For some reason, Dervish makes me think of British. It feels very British. Yeah. yeah. It also makes me think of the Tasmanian devil, like from yeah. cartoons. So I hope it's like back and forth, letters back and forth between the Tasmanian devil, Taz, and, <laughs> and the devil. I think I'm let's, pretty sure that's what it is. That's about. what it is. <laughs> we'll let you know when you tune in next time, listeners. Until then, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 1001 Books Pod or let's see at 1001 Books Podcast. Or you can always email us at 1001 Books Podcast at gmail.com and don't forget to rate and review us wherever you find your podcasts and until next time happy happy reading. reading